When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is resident expert, beat reporter, Corey Christen. How you doing, sir? In the studio, nonetheless, huh? Yeah. Downtown, live on Fifth Ave. Doors open. We had a bird fly in like a half hour ago. Which, uh, that was an event. Did you enjoy the limo ride over from from the press conference? That that was supposed to be kept secret. Oh, okay. Coach Narduzzi offered me his personal chauffeur service (laughs) over here. So, uh, again, making that Youngstown connection work. But, no, Gary, good to be back with you. Talk a little pit football, obviously, with uh, two weeks now. We're within within three weeks, but I guess two and a half until uh, the backyard brawl comes back. I mean, the buzz around the city is pretty crazy already. I mean, it actually got mentioned at the Billy Joel concert last night. Legit. Really? Wait, yeah. were you at that? <laughs> yes, I was. Oh, I'm I'm kind of jealous. What did Unre- he open with? He opened with, uh, I can't remember right now. Because I've been told. I was three know, or four yinglings deep. Those are important. You know, the opener and the closer. And then obviously he probably played like five or six encore songs. He did five. Yeah. Oh, my it goodness. Was, it was really, really good. And uh, yes, the, the backyard brawl came up. Because he was singing that song that Billy the Kid, um, and he mentioned Wheeling, West Virginia, and half the crowd screamed. And then he did Allentown right after it, and it was a whole backyard brawl in the in the seats. It wow. was pretty cool. He he definitely did that on purpose. Oh no doubt, yeah. no doubt. He had to have. So let's start with uh, something else that was done on purpose. We have the new um, Steel City NIL Club that has been started, and. That doesn't mean like nil, like the Steeler, the, the Pirates offense. <laughs> this is this is the Pitt Panthers kids getting some money, right? I mean, why don't you talk about that a little bit? I saw a nice piece you wrote on it. Well, I don't think uh, any phones are going to be falling out of uh, Servasier Dennis's pocket anytime soon <laughs> uh, after he makes a tackle. I can't escape that story, my God. It's tremendous. Uh, you don't see anything like that ever. Um, yeah, the Steel City NIL Club, obviously it's an opportunity for pit players to make a profit on something to make some money here. Obviously the, the name image and likeness landscape in college athletics is booming right now with all of that being allowed. And ever since it's been launched just a few days ago, I got the numbers right here for you. $9,454 and 46 cents have been raised with 366 active members as of this recording. Wow. As a part of this. So the way that this works is, Players, and as far as I know, all 
or most, I would say 90% of players are involved in this from Pitt's roster. They're getting paid for this service. And in turn, the players are offering essentially interactions with fans. So video chats, uh, personalized messages. Okay. It's like, it's almost like a really clean only fans combined with cameo <laughs> in a way where fans will, you know, pay the service. It's a minimum $5 a month. There's no maximum. So if you want to give your heart out, then give your heart out. It's all going directly to the players. All the 100% profit gets split evenly amongst the players. So you're paying for a subscription service that's getting you content from the players. They mentioned game breakdowns, which I don't know how far you can really go with that. That's a little, uh, it's a little sketchy to me because do you really want to talk X's and O's with some random fan? I mean, I'm sorry to say, but you know, other than that, it sounds like a really good way and quite frankly, an almost safe way for players to make some money here with this whole, again, NIL landscape that's just blowing up across college sports. Yeah, I mean, I, it's an interesting thing. I never really thought about it before, but the, the NIL, the, the biggest flaw in it was it was only going to pay the players that were probably bound to get paid pretty well in the future anyway. And this seems like a way, at least at this scale, to kind of help these kids have a little bit of a better college experience as opposed to trying to make them feel like they're professionals. This right? is more about what the freshmen and the redshirt freshmen and the sophomores are going to make. They're going to actually be able to make something from this now. Whereas opposed to a guy like Kalijah Kansi, who has a car dealership, right. uh, you know, deal in place that he drives. I don't even remember what it is, but he basically drives a, a company issued car in exchange for his name, image and likeness to go on their brand. So, you know, the Kalijah Kansi's the, the thing about this too, at the steel city NIL club for the pit players this, I think, is somewhat of a flaw is that in a, in a way for the, the freshmen and sophomores and, again, the players that are lesser known and won't make as much money otherwise, Kansi's going to make the same amount of money through this as those guys are. So there's that. Take what you will from that. But, again, I think it's great for that regard for those players that otherwise wouldn't make money. I think it is, too, because, you know, we talk all the time about how, like, somebody like an offensive lineman isn't going to get appreciated the way he should. Yeah. You know, let's just say they're not going to make giant Eagle. Isn't going to make a cereal for the fifth year starting center, no matter how good he is, even no. if he's going to be a number one pick next year. No, but where are those barbecue joints at? I mean, you want to get a, a hog per yeah, right. se to promote your barbecue company. You can call Carter Warren or you call Ryan bear who I just wrote about, by the way, DK Pittsburgh sports.com. Uh, <laughs> You, you you know you call Owen you call Owen Drexel you call somebody on that O line to get your barbecue business going. That's just an idea. You could pay me royalties if you want. <laughs> I'll tell you what to pay those royalties. We better take a quick break. <laughs> Make sure that we have uh, the funds to do so. So let's do let's take a quick one. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And Corey, we talked about the offense a lot last week and the the quarterbacks. I'm sure we'll get into it again because how can you avoid it as training camp's going on? We should talk about the defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we have returning stars. I mean, Savassier Dennis, you know, how could you not talk about him? Clancy. Who, who's really sticking out and how's it shaping up? Don't forget Hava Baldonado either. I mean, the strength of the team, I'm, I'm not just saying offense or defense. I'm saying of the entire team, I think, is the defensive line. I think it is pound for pound at minimum a top three D line in the nation. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, right. I think Cancy and Baldonado are legit NFL players, possible first round picks. I mean, that is how good those two guys are. Then you add a guy like John Morgan in, you add a guy like Deion Hayes in. there's a few other guys that rotate in. They have so much going on and credit to Charlie Partridge, the D line coach. Right. I mean, the, the work that those guys put in, everybody is fast Everybody is strong. Everybody is technically sound. Everybody has an idea and, and smart and, and what to do and how to do it. I mean, all well-rounded players on that line. You brought up Servassier Dennis. And, you know, for as much publicity as the quarterback battle is getting, and again, it's going to because it's the quarterbacks, there's also a really good battle going on for two starting out, outside linebacker spots. And, Servassier Dennis is going to occupy the middle. That's an obvious call there. But there are at least four guys that are competing for two starting spots along the outside. And you can't discount the two transfers they brought in. Shane Simon out of Notre Dame. Tyler Welts out of Missouri State. Those are veteran guys. They're both seniors. Those are veteran guys that they're bringing in. The thing about what Coach Narduzzi has done with the transfer portal. He's not just bringing in freshmen that were castaways and right. you know pushed down the depth chart. They weren't doing anything. No, he brought in dudes that are experienced, even on the offense with guys like Bub Means and Kanate Mumfield, even though they're not seniors. They brought in dudes that have played a lot, that are smart football players, that are technically sound football players. And that's at the base level of a, of a contending team. That's what you need. How much of that has to do with the stage they're in? For instance, you know, would he be bringing those guys in in order to get them to a certain level? Or is he bringing those guys in because the team is already to a degree at that level and you have to? It's a slight mix of both, but it leans more towards they're filling those holes in with the transfers. The The thing about a guy like Tyler Wiltz, and I, I've been talking him up since camp started for a couple of reasons. FCS All-American by Phil Steele last year at Missouri State. And I know you're thinking at home, Missouri State, who cares? Missouri State plays in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. I know a thing or two about that league because I covered it for four years. Missouri Valley Football Conference is basically the SEC or the Big Ten of the FCS. I mean, it's that damn good. The number one team in the nation, North Dakota State, the number two team in the nation, South Dakota State, both in that league. Missouri State, the team that Wilts just left, is ranked five in the preseason stats poll in the FCS. 
They have teams that are, I think there are six teams in the top 26 in that poll from that league. So he's coming from a really damn good football conference and coming into power five. And he's gotten a lot of hype from, from Narduzzi and from uh, Ryan Manalite, the linebackers coach. And then Shane Simon coming in from Notre Dame. I mean, one of two guys along with Sebo Flemister, the running back, right. another guy with experience. He's played there four years. He knows power five and high level football. I mean, they brought in two dudes that I think that if they don't, each start on one of the outside spots. If one gets the starting job over the other, the other behind them is going to get significant playing time. That's just going to be how it goes. And then you got a guy like Aiden Henningham who, who, you know, converted from a wide receiver and uh, he's taken the linebacker room by storm. You got buddy Mack moving up from safety this year to play outside linebacker a bit. Bengali Kamara has, has done well. So they have a lot of really good options on the outside linebacker spots. So Charlie Partridge was an interesting name you brought up there because I do think he's done a great job coaching that line. He's also one of their top recruiters. Mm -hmm. So how much do you give him as far as like the rest of the defense that he's bringing in? Because there's a lot of guys that he's the one that's in on them. He's the one with the relationships. How important is he to this whole mix? I I think he's vital. I, I mean, alongside Narduzzi, from the defensive standpoint, at minimum, he's he's the guy that they're you know contacting, that they're getting in touch with, that they're rolling with, and you could tell that he has a really strong relationship with every player he works, and you could tell when every player talks about the way that just Coach Partridge thinks and the way that he perceives the game and the way that he coaches them up. I think the most fascinating thing about what Pitt's staff has, there are arguably three head coaches on that roster with, I mean, Narduzzi, Partridge, Dave Borbley, the offensive line coach. You could look at Ryan Manalay, who's a very young, exciting linebacker coach Taquan Underwood as a young wide receivers coach. I mean, they have a lot of guys that they, they come from all different walks of football. They come from all different angles and they all bring a little bit, something different to the table. And that's what the players love about this staff is that you're not just getting seven Pat Narduzzi's. Yeah, right. You know, right. you're getting a Pat Narduzzi. You're getting a Tyquan Underwood. You're getting a Charlie Partridge. You're getting a Dave Borbley. You're getting, you know, again, a Ryan Mandalay. And that's, you know, just scratching the surface on their position coaches. It's funny because, you know, I, I think there was people maybe two years ago really, really frustrated with Pat Narduzzi. You know, it it seemed like we had reached that that precipice of where Pitt was capable of getting again. And it was just not going to get over the top. Mm-hmm. And then last year happened. And it looks like this year has a chance to happen. Maybe consistency in college football is not a bad thing when it comes to the coaching staff. Not in the slightest, no. And again, last year, you you could put credit into Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. That's obvious. Sure. But I think what you'll see this year, and a lot of the the media elite, the pundits, you know, the, the the Twitter people, I'm kind of one of them, but the Twitter people not being included in this, they're discrediting Pitt because they're losing Pickett and Addison. What they're forgetting is they're bringing back Cansey and Baldonado and Dennis and five senior offensive linemen and right. Jared Wayne and Izzy Abanacanda. Look, they're still bringing back a lot of guys that were a ACC champion last year. That's why I voted them to win the Coastal again, because I think that even though they lost their two best players, they're still going to be able to pick up with Keaton Slovis or Nick Patty. And then you bring along guys like Jared Wayne to wide receiver one. You get Kanate Mumfield and Bub Means to transfer in. 
um, at, at wide receiver two. And then you replace two starting linebacker spots with two veteran senior transfers. See, and I'm an old Pitt fan. So as far as I go, Corey is saying, I think that Miami game will matter. That's about the best I can do. <laughs> That's the most important game of the season. It has to be. It, it right? will be. By the time we hit that end of end of the season, that's the last game on the schedule that's at Miami. Pitt's going to be either contending to win the Coastal if they haven't locked it up already, contending for college football playoff spot if everything goes right, or they're going to be trying to hold off Miami. They could play spoiler if Miami's really doing well this year, which a lot of people think they will. Right. So... There's going to be stakes on that game one way or another, whether it's going to directly benefit Pitt or not, which I think is amazing. I'll tell you what, Corey, let's take another quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about the uh, press conference that we got to go to this week. Mm-hmm. We're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary with you. And Corey, before we get into um, our final topic of the day, I figured I'd give you a little opportunity to tell us a little bit about the uh, press conference that you got to go to today and a little look towards the scrimmage this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Friday's press conference. Uh, Coach Narduzzi really, first off, Pitt had a light practice on Friday, which, you know, nothing to be concerned over. That's just as scheduled. They've been going at its full pads since Sunday. And ever since then, you know, they haven't had anything really lightened up. So before Saturday's scrimmage, which just the team scrimmage, offense versus defense, however many periods they're going to run, it's a closed scrimmage to, uh, you know, fans and media. This isn't like the spring game. So get your drones out, everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, get your hashtag internet sources ready to go on, on what's <laughs> happened. Um, but... No, basically, Coach Narduzzi has has really been impressed with how, first of all, Frank Signetti's offense is being installed. And that's a credit to Signetti, but it's also more of a credit to the players. You know, even amid a quarterback battle, as as we all know it as, between Slovis and Patty, there's still a brand new offensive system that needs to be put in. Right. So those two things are kind of colliding and they're coinciding at the same time. So, you know, when it comes to putting in new scheme, putting in new language, most importantly, he's drawn a lot of praise, Signetti has, from Narduzzi, from the players, from just how smooth things are going from that standpoint. So that's been really encouraging to hear about. I mean, it would it makes sense that he would handle this relationship a little more delicately than the last one. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that didn't end as smoothly as it could. So... No, and then even after uh, the old offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, left, it still uh, smoldered a little bit, the uh, the war of words, if you will. But um, it's more than just that, too. I mean, the thing that Narduzzi's looking for, and when this gets posted, the scrimmage will have already happened, so hopefully we're not jinxing anything here. (laughs) Um, The the number one thing, obviously, Narduzzi wants is health. He wants everybody to come out of it on the other side as healthy as possible. And number two, he wants to see clean football being played. He wants a clean, well-run scrimmage. He doesn't want sloppy turnovers. He doesn't want missed turnovers either for the defense, but for that matter, you know, if 
for whatever reason, Slovis or Patty throws an errant pass. They don't want an interception to be dropped. So I mean, if he wants a clean game, he's not looking forward to that Miami game at all. No, that's going to be like a, <laughs> like a <clears throat> 13 to nine slot fest, if you will. But let's, uh, let's spend a little time talking about the Hall of Fame inductees. Then, absolutely. Because they, they've got 12 new members coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, Pitt's, uh, Pitt's Athletics Hall of Fame. They're going to enshrine their new class in September on September 30th at, at Acrisure Stadium. I'm the only one, by the way, I think that is not tripping up and saying Heinz Field on accident. Is it because Acrisure is close to my last name, Kristen, or is it because I'm not a native Pittsburgher? What, what, why is that? I don't know because I, <laughs> I personally feel like much like I did with Star Lake, I'm just going to keep calling it Heinz until it is again. Uh, well, that's but, manifesting right there at yeah. its finest. Um, anyway, 12 members into the Athletics Hall of Fame class. I'll do a quick rundown. Uh, Keisha Damis, uh, women's track and field. Russ Grimm football. Obviously, Steeler fans know who that is. Uh, Larry Harris, men's basketball. Ricky Jackson, another one that Steeler fans probably know well with football. Um, or Pitt fans, too. I, wish, I should say Pitt fans, too. Uh, Jerome Lane, men's basketball. Debbie Lewis, women's basketball. Angela Lopez, Callahan, women's swimming. Anne-Marie Lucchini, volleyball. Jerry Ritchie, men's track and field. Donnie DiMarino, Sanft, gymnastics, both as a coach and an athlete. Uh, Pat Santoro, wrestling. And then Randy Stoudemire is getting a po- uh, posthumous introduction um, or induction as a wrestling coach and athlete. So really strong class for Pitt. Obviously, the... Uh, Headliner names there are Grimm and Jackson for football reasons, right, obviously. Right. Again, Russ Grimm, if you're a Steeler fan, you know exactly who that is. And, um, you know, I think I think it's tremendous. Every year, these are always tremendous. You always get to learn more about, especially the Olympic athletes, you know, the runners and the swimmers and, you know, gymnastics and volleyball, the Olympic sports. You always get to know more about them during, during these times. And, you know, just from even writing the little, you know, the brief I put on, on the website the other day, you know, I got to learn so much more just about the history of those sports. There are obviously two big wrestling names in the history yeah, right. of pit lore going into um, with Coach Stottlemyre. And, uh, you know, I, I think these are always, always cool times when these happen. It, the Hall of Fame dinner, whether it's here or my, my previous job covering Bowling Green, wherever it may be. I'm always looking forward to those because you learn so many different things and just you hear so many stories and, you know, you hear about different walks of life and come ups and everything. I think it's awesome. I I can't wait for it. No, it's really cool. And Steeler fans have been waiting a long time to get Russ Grimm back. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) Pitt went ahead and took care of it for them, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I think, uh, I think he will definitely be well received And Jackson. I should have mentioned new Orleans. That's the, uh, that's the team he was uh, obviously mostly known for. But him and Grimm both, uh, very appropriately, Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2010 and then Pitt Athletics Hall of Fame class of 2022. So I think that's pretty awesome. All right. So, hey, everybody, I think that's a, a wrap on this show, right? Live show. First one of first one live in studio in the books. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Really, but really, good, really, really cool atmosphere down here to record. We're a couple weeks away from the backyard brawl. I, I can't even begin to say how excited I am to watch people floating around the city yelling at each other about sports. And standing setup. room only backyard brawl, too. Yeah. How how funny is it that they renamed the stadium and then the first game there ever might be the record sellout. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. They're thinking possibly, this is what I've been hearing, whispers, 70,000 at that stadium. That's unbelievable. Which for a a non-land-grant college is really good. 
Well, maybe it'll actually get as loud as it used to in Three Rivers then. Maybe. Because that's been my complaint about it ever since it came to be. Maybe. So. Good good show, Gary. Thanks yeah, again. Good stuff. Hey, everybody. We're going to end it here. As always, hail to Pitt.